just keep going. I mean, if I if I really lose, you'll be like, oh, Tim, I lost you. We'll come back. Well, How have you been? Busy. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? Oh, yeah, you know, pretty busy. Well, last time I think we did this, we talked about the Batman, and we were just getting our book all kind of done and sorted out. And we had a charity kind of, we got rid of all the money that the book made. Mm hmm. And I did that. I went to the Father's Day event, and that was really fun. Met some really nice people. And uh, everyone with that group was uh, super sweet, very awesome. So we're going to be back for the Father's Day walk again next year, regardless of a book or not. You know, I've been sitting around. I went and my computer exploded, the one that I like to write on. So I was able to get another one, a replacement. And I've been, ever since I got it, I've been smashing out some uh, cautionary tales too, Tim. You're way ahead of me is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. You That's okay, Once to get rolling. Oh, man. This is going to be a fun. Be easy. Oh, yeah. You just totally, uh... you know what scene in a movie where everyone does drugs and then all of a sudden everyone's like, you're on drugs, man. You just did one of those. <laughs> did I? Yeah, a little bit, but you're back now. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not on drugs right now. Uh, okay, good. Or just it just sounded like drugs, that. but it was like that scene in the bathroom when uh, when when uh, Johnny Depp meets Flea in Fear and Loathing, and he's like, "You see acid." It was like I love it. It was like that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a busy guy. Well, you've been you've been working nonstop. Yeah, and then uh, every time I come home, we go camping or do a whole bunch of work. So, yeah. What's the summer? You Lots of big hailstones hit our house last night. Lots of so damage. lots of things got wrecked at our house from hail. But no. Yeah, lots of holes in the eaves trough and the holiday trailer and the tractor hood like the size of two golf balls jammed together and one fell every three to five feet apart at my house. Ooh. So just random things got hit. But then all those people on the highway got it much worse because their cars were basically wiped right out. Oh, all no. the windows smashed out. That was, there were 70, 70 vehicles got smashed oh, yeah. up. Yeah. It's some crazy weather we're getting. Yeah. Tornado weather. You guys, UFO weather, UFO weather. Yeah. Cloudy, cloudy weather. Good place for UFOs to hide. So you've kind of segued, I guess, into what we're going to talk about this time. So you and I just both saw the movie. Nope. I liked it. I think you, you liked it. So we'll talk about that in a bit. And 
we wanted to talk about some other UFO stuff. Like what was your, what's your first memory of anything UFO based? Well, you know, those ancient aliens type shows. Yeah. That were on whatever channel they were on. Uh, when I was about seven or eight, they used to have documentaries at the movie theater. That's, oh, that's really? back there. But yeah. in Eckville, the tiny town of Eckville, they had a movie theater and they had documentaries. And we went there and we basically watched Ancient Aliens, that Von Daniken guy, his theories about the cave drawings, etc. And the old art and how the pyramids got built. So when I was about seven years old, that was the first time I was exposed to UFO stuff. Oh. We also went and saw a documentary about finding Noah's Ark on the side of Mount Ararat, of all, th- of all things. And then we also watched Star Wars there. So, yeah. All the space-based <laughs> UFO good times. And then after that, my favorite show was uh, Million Dollar Man. And there was a a large chunk of ongoing shows about Sasquatch and the aliens that brought him to earth. He was also of course, bionic and they had big fights and then they wiped, they wiped uh, the bionic man's memory. So that he couldn't remember what happened there. Old uh, majors. But, and they just, and then they came them. back the next season, right? <laughs> as of they course, do. the aliens came back as they do. So that's my earliest memories of UFOs. I don't know. I think mine might be one of two examples, probably E.T. I remember seeing that in the theater. I was very young, four or five. And that was my first uh, experience with the alien stuff. And I remember being really upset with the whole medical corridor balloon building scene where everyone's in the suits, you know, it was very. Oh, yeah well done scene but it did exactly what it wanted to do is like shock and horrify you and then after that my grandfather had this like really cool video machine where it was like a big giant square disc and you could rent them at the library so he'd walk across the street in Edmonton and he'd get one of these big discs and slide them in this thing and there was like a record in there and then it would spit the empty husk of the disc back out at you and it had a big picture of what the movie was like uh, the movie poster on the front, like a big eight track for a movie. I can't even remember what this thing's mm-hmm. called. I keep looking it up and I forget. But he had War of the Worlds, the older, I want to say 1950s, but I could be incorrect. But he really liked that one. And he showed it to me. Uh, so that would have been like my earliest, my earliest experiences with the UFO kind of movies or whatever. And I just remember as a kid, it freaked me out all the time, man. Like, you know, if there was stuff out there, and it was going to come down and, and get you. Yeah, I don't know. And then, you know, you grow up and, or I grew up anyway, and there's, you know, less and less of the UFO stuff. And then in the 90s, it kind of made a resurgence again in the, in the mid 90s. And there were some good ones there. Fire in the Sky, mm-hmm. Independence Day, and X-Files. I think the, X, the X-Files was probably responsible for the resurgence, wasn't it? I'd probably say, I can't remember the exact timeline because I was an idiot then, but, uh, well, I'm still an idiot, but I used to be too. But yeah, I think you're probably right. The X-Files probably lit the fire for all that stuff and, and kind of got everyone spooked out. And I remember seeing that poster, like everywhere, every, everyone had that, uh, the truth is out there poster. 
Mm -hmm. You know, you could find that all over the place. So very prevalent. Nowadays, nowadays, the slogan is the truth isn't out there. <laughs> is that what they say? Everybody's, conv everybody's convinced everything is a lie. No matter what you say, if you, if you say uh, you should wear a mask, here's the evidence. Everybody says, no, that's a lie. And if you say, you know, uh, there's a war in another country. No, I can't believe anything I hear. Everything's a lie. Well, I had this conversation with someone else the other day. Now, I don't believe that any of that stuff isn't true, but uh, I have the feeling that a lot of what you see about it is kind of controlled in pageantry. So I understand. Well, that people, might be. It might yeah, be that it's controlled somewhat, but the prevailing attitude is that everything is a lie now. Yeah, this is the uh, conspiratorial threads of the X-Files so, wound, wound around everything. Yeah, so the truth isn't out there. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have this conversation too with people is that they don't even have to lie now. They can just flagrantly tell you uh, the truth right in your face. And the truth is out there, but just nobody really cares to look any deeper into it sometimes. And I think mm -hmm. that there's uh, just a... <laughs> sometimes you get frustrated because there's a layer of apathy over everything where you just go, eh, you know, I don't know. So, you know, if there was UFOs and stuff like that, then they'd probably be more interested in going, yeah, this stuff is totally out there. It's a thing and blah, blah, blah. And everyone will go, we don't believe you. So, but there's been some recent world examples of this that I've seen, you know, after enjoying the UFO, I guess, uh, phenomenon of the, of the 90s. Recently, in the last couple of years, there's been a couple kind of kooky stories. There was like a video taken by an F-18 Hornet pilot somewhere around San Diego. From an, he was on an aircraft carrier and then he was flying around and then he got some really foggy, grainy looking data of an object flying around that they call the Tic Tac, which they reference in the Nope movie. They do kind of talk about that one. Again, it was just kind of, you can't make out what it is. It's a very fast moving thing. It's very small on the screen. It looks like it blends in with the very snowy, staticky background of the ocean. I'm going to talk about some other movies that I've seen over the years, other than Fire in the Sky, which was very interesting. Yeah. How about Arrival? Uh, I, I love the Arrival. Arrival. Yeah, Arrival. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just Arrival. Yeah, I, I saw that one, and I kind of saw it the one time, and I felt like there was so much more to it that I missed watching that movie that I, that I want to go back and watch it again. And I'm a big fan of that director. He did the new Dune movie and he did Prisoners, which I thought was phenomenal. And the new Playground mm -hmm. 2049. Actually, what I did is I bought a book, which I was supposed to give you. I, was, I have this book waiting for you. And that story is in there. It's a short story. It's very good. I read that and, and it made me want to watch the movie again. So now, now that you've mentioned that movie, that's going back to the top of my rewatch list. Okay. I've watched that movie twice. I enjoyed it both times. Okay. Now here's one that most people don't think of being a UFO movie. They live. Because there's no actual UFOs, but there's definitely aliens. And the truth is out there. All you got to do yeah. is wear the glasses. But you I might not want to wear the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and you might want someone else to wear the glasses. Yeah. You might feel the need to just defend 
your right to wear glasses or not wear glasses with a seven minute alley fist fight. Yeah. You might want to fight. You want to fight to the death over the glasses. You know, I met my wife watching that movie. Really? It was a good day. (laughs) (laughs) I've made my kids watch it and I don't know if they properly appreciated it, but they did watch it. Okay. Then there, of course there's, there's some cheesy moments, but that's, I live for cheese. So. Well, the best movies have cheesy moments. Okay. How about Signs? Signs, I remember really liking. I had watched Signs, and right when I shut it off, I was I listed off three movies that it reminded me of. And then I liked it so much that I had the DVD. I don't know if I rented it or if I bought it. And then I watched a, like a little making of documentary, and they mentioned those three movies. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's the best. I really like that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminds me a lot of the one we just watched. Nope. Only the mm-hmm. focus of, of signs was kind of more on the, uh, more of an optimistic, I think, human experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really liked, I really liked signs. It had a lot going for it. it had, yeah. One of my really... favorite parts was about the contaminant, how the water was contaminated. The little girl kept saying she had glasses of water everywhere and it was contaminated. That's my favorite part of that whole movie. Was it contaminated or it was just like her, her, uh... no, that was just her personal problem, her little OCD type thing. Yeah. But that was like, okay, I can't remember this movie here. The water was contaminated. Joaquin Phoenix. She had glasses of water staged all over the house. She'd drink a little bit of it, then put it down. And then dad asked her why she didn't finish it. And she'd say it was contaminated and then she'd go get another one. And then later, the water came in really handy because the aliens couldn't take water. Yeah, that was kind of (laughs) the only problem I had with that movie. And I don't know if we talked about this before, but I always, whenever this movie comes up, you know, you can believe a lot when it comes to movies, the, the suspension of disbelief. But I just, if you were, there's only so many elements in this universe, right? Like, you know, I guess maybe we're discovering new ones all the time, but these guys, these alien guys that were coming here, you figured that they'd know that they, they were water was a corrosive agent to their skin. Why would they come to a planet that's 75% made up of that shit? I don't know. It, it, that was kind of one that I just thought about afterwards (laughs) (laughs) and I just couldn't shake it, but I love the, I love the rest of the movie. I really like the, the family story, the, uh, the kind of uh, a guy finding his, I guess that was more or less a guy finding his faith again, sort of thing. Well, there was more problems. Like the aliens made no sense because why would they be scurrying around and sticking their hands underneath the doors? I mean, this is an advanced civilization. So they're going to reach under the door to try to get you so yeah. their fingers can get cut off. No one would do that. Would you reach your hand under the door? No, uh, no I wouldn't. And you, don't, and you don't even have a flying saucer. So you're obviously not an advanced race like they are. However, they were dumb enough to reach underneath of doors and get cut by butcher knives. Yeah, not the greatest. Not the greatest <laughs> at all. But I still liked the movie a lot. I, I did so. too. Another one that I think is really worthwhile was probably my favorite UFO movie to, the, to date, excuse me, would be District 9. And that was my next one I was going to bring up. District oh, 9. you did. <laughs> great minds i thought the movie was genius yeah i think that it was uh it was more or less the same 
genius. Like it was just an idea that you you've never seen before. Like maybe not every civilization out there is like super advanced or if they are super advanced, they're not good with like money and buying gas. (laughs) Yeah. I just thought it was a good, like just a really good take on the genre where it showed us something different and they were just, or maybe they were running from something they couldn't afford. I don't, I don't know, but for whatever reason they ran out of gas and they just did it over like the worst place to do that. I just, (laughs) yeah. A place who's going to get them addicted to cat food and use their body parts for their mojo. Okay. Now we're back. So we were, we were talking about, uh, cause, cause I'm cheap and uh, I can't type fast enough. We got cut off. We were talking about running out of gas over Johannesburg, getting addicted to cat food. Yep. And, you know, just being uh, in a bad state, a shit state of alien. I don't know. There hasn't really been anything quite like that since. No, like it was really popular with a certain group of people and other people didn't like it. I don't know. That was a pretty. That's the way it goes, right? Well, that, I remember that movie being a pretty big smash and it, it was up for best picture. We must hang in different crowds because everyone I know loved it. A lot of people didn't like it. And I think it's because it points out prejudice. Oh, really? You know what I mean? Yeah. Just the attitude of, of the main character to start with. There was, a, there was a parallel between how black people were treated in South Africa, of, of course, right? Yeah. And that just bothered a lot of certain people. Oh, well. They, they were they were looking for an alien movie, not a uh, morality movie. Well, so I don't know. That's uh, one of the things that I... The thing I find with that movie and with Nope, I don't know, maybe we should just get into talking about Nope, was that they had deeper message to them, but it was well done and in nope's case a little bit more subtle i think than district nine but both of them were i don't know really good that's the point of science fiction i think is to make you think about something that's existing in a different way and Mm -hmm. both of those movies were quite effective at it so okay well we might as well talk about nope so i don't know if this movie was on your radar before yeah i'd seen the preview and i was interested did you think the preview gave away too much stuff? Well, it was obvious there was going to be some sort of an alien or flying saucer. Yeah. You could tell I that was, much. I was kind of sad when I saw one of the trailers. I think it was like the second trailer where they actually showed a flying saucer or the, the flying saucer that's in the movie kind of coming down behind the guy when he's riding his horse. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, man. now Because we before they just showed the first thing they showed was a poster with the flags going up or whatever into that weird looking cloud. When I saw that, I was like, Oh, cool. Like we're getting a movie about aliens. And I just kind of thought, well, you know, there's shit flying up in the sky. What's up there. It's aliens. That's usually what it is. So, but I guess that, I don't know for whatever happens in, in Hollywood, they kind of jangled that all around and that wasn't good enough. So I think they showed a little bit too much in their trailer and kind of, I don't know, maybe spoil the movie a bit. I think it's doing well at the theaters, but I don't think it's doing as well as they'd liked. I mean, it's getting great reviews. I certainly liked it a lot. Well, what was your take? As far as the the, uh, previews go, I just wish they would tone it down on every preview, everywhere, all the time. You know, especially when you go to the theater, for instance, you're going to watch Nope. And then they show you the preview of Nope. 
and it's like half the movie <laughs> and you're like what in the world are you doing and then did they, they do that? turn my head and look at the wall and you know they did that where you saw this yes they always do that you know oh, you go no. to see you go to see for instance uh the new thor movie and what do they do they show a whole bunch of thor shit in front of the movie instead of just letting you watch the movie they make you pre-watch half the movie before you get to the movie like oh like interviews they and... could just they could just screw off with that i don't want to have that <laughs> ever i would like to go in blind i want to go in with the barest idea of what the movie is about and then be pleasantly surprised in the movie but no they have always got to like sometimes they show half the movie in the preview like the top gun the recent Top Gun movie. Yeah. I saw the preview for like 15 minutes. It felt like the one day and we're oh, like, no. why, why are we seeing everything? Every bit of the training montage of the entire movie. Now I already know the plot of the movie from watching the preview. It, that's what it felt like. It wasn't quite true, but it was excessively long. I, I guess it's a, it's an effective marketing ploy and that must be why they do it. I don't really know i'm a fan of trailers i like trailers a lot teasers are great i imagine that when you were watching this movie there's an actual there's a teaser a very brief one attached directly to i guess you'd call it the print of the movie but it's actually a part of the movie for that oppenheimer did you see that uh which one is that now it's oppenheimer the, yeah, it was, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. It's his next movie. I think it was hard attached to all the prints of Nope. And it's about the guy who created the atomic bomb. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I instantly knew what that was about. And Nicole didn't know, I don't think, who Oppenheimer was. We didn't really get into it, but that, that one not everybody will it. know, right? No, and I, I don't know. That one, don't, they'll release more as that movie gets closer. And it was just enough of a, t a taste of the movie without revealing, uh, I guess, if you want to read Rick Wikipedia, you can find out what the plot of that is going to be. But it was just enough to kind of give you a taste of what the movie's going to be about or what the feeling of it was, which I thought was... Yeah, and that, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want from a, from a trailer. Yeah. I don't want to see the movie in the trailer ever, but it's very common for you to have to watch an entire movie in the trailer. Yeah, I... Uh, that's a that's a big beef I have with with some of the theaters and and well not the theaters it's nothing to do with the theaters it's more of the movie studios I guess how they cut these trailers some of the people should just be ashamed of themselves going a little bit deeper into I guess nope I mean so have you seen any of Jordan Peele's other movies he's done this is his third now uh, he did us was his one previous to this and then before that he did get out I have not watched either one of those Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, I won't. Uh... I guess, I guess the reason I haven't is because they didn't seem any, any, what, any somewhat supernatural or science fiction. Well, both of them are, but, but they don't appear to be. No, uh, they don't, but there, there is a serious Twilight Zone. -y... Well, he did do a Twilight Zone TV series also, Jordan Peele. I think he was behind hmm. that for movies. This is his third, and they all have kind of like a sci fi. I won't. I don't want to say fantasy, but a like a horror or a sci-fi kind of tilt to them. Well, based on this last movie, I will probably watch them now. I think it just that there's only best. so much time in the day, you know. So. Oh yeah, yeah, and you got long days. You got long days. Um, this one's his best. I liked. I like Get Out quite a bit too. Us, not 
so much, but I'm curious to see what, what you think of them. I was, I was glad that you liked this. Now, the main important question I have for you, Tim, is what did Nicole think? She liked it. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm one for two. <laughs> but we don't even want to get into everything everywhere all at once, which we both liked and you hated. Well, we can do that another time, but yeah, uh, that we're gonna, we, we have to do. In fact, I, I almost insist on it now at this point. Well, I enjoy, uh, <laughs> I enjoy a peaceful disagreement so we can, we can, we can go. I, I actually, there's things about that movie I liked, but I just didn't like it as a whole, but we'll, we'll, we'll save that one for a couple days from now. Um, so, okay. I'm really glad. I'm glad she liked it and I could recover from the inside Lewin Davis, Lewin Davis debacle. You know, I'm crawling back up that ladder. So I want to jump into spoilers, I guess. Okay. You Are you comfortable with it? Sure. Well, so am I. <laughs> After I watched the movie, I kind of, my brain was racing coming out of the theater because there are so many ideas. Well, there's, there's kind of one big main idea, I think at play in this, but there's so many little threads that hold that idea together that I just found it really fascinating. And I got home and I looked up some stuff about this movie. And one of the things I kind of found was Jordan Peele, there was an interview with him and he said that you could watch this movie as if it were a sci-fi kind of like a old school sci-fi blockbuster or a, you know, a crowd pleaser sort of thing, and it would be just fine. You could totally get that experience from it if that's what you wanted to take away. But if you start looking into, into the threads of the story a little bit, then that's where there's kind of all these like very interesting ideas about certain themes. And I think the main one for me, and you and I kind of went back and forth on text very briefly without saying too much, but for me, the overarching theme, I guess, that I took away from this is that it's just kind of about people being opportunists, like they can't leave anything alone. And we always have to find that thing to exploit. There's no better example of this in the movie than the chimp, the chimp scene. Mm -hmm. So what was your read on the chimp scenes? Okay, so the, the whole idea of chimpanzees going nuts has been on my radar for months now. And it's been deeply disturbing to me. <laughs> I don't know why. Monkeys have always disturbed me. I just find monkeys freaky, like freaky little aliens themselves to start with. Yeah. Because they're nearly, they nearly act like human. They nearly have human expressions and body parts. They nearly seem to be self-aware right? Of course, they aren't like people. And we want them to be like people. We want them to be, you know, like in the family, like dogs and our children. And like, that's constantly the way they're portrayed. But they aren't, they're wild animals. And they're incredibly strong wild animals that can rip you in half. Yeah. I recently listened to uh, a set of audiobooks, And I had it the book was called www.wake, who was the author, Robert J. Sawyer. And in this book, there's an emerging AI on the internet, but it, it doesn't have any way to relate to the world yet. 
And at the same time, there is a blind girl who has got a new implant, which allows her to use computers to decode sight and so, so that it can be transmitted to her brain. Are you with me so far? I'm with you. And she watches a video of a chimp that can do sign language, painting, and communicating with another monkey in a different zoo using sign language. And because she can see it, the AI can see it. And the AI learns about the world through what she sees. So that's the connection to the monkey there. In any case, the uh, chimpanzee hits puberty and goes nuts and feels like the female trainer is his personal property or mate and wants to kill the male trainer. And what I've learned since then a little bit about is when chimpanzees, chimpanzees hit at puberty, everything changes. I could be totally wrong about it since I'm obviously not a chimpanzee scientist, but yeah. Well, that part I couldn't answer either. <laughs> um, a chimpologist or what do you, what would you call it? Uh, I don't even know. A monkey man. Um, yeah. So with this movie, I think they're kind of drawing a monkey man. So this movie, when I was watching, so it opens with this, with a, the aftermath of a, a chimpanzee attack on a TV show where he's mangled or killed somebody. And everybody is what happens is, is like, it, it kind of sets the tone for the whole movie. Cause he's just kind of, there's someone laying on the floor. You can hear kind of noises of terrified people in the background and the chimp kind of wanders into the frame and he plays with some stuff and he pokes the person's feet who he's mangled. And then he snaps his head over and looks directly right into the camera. And like, just when I watched that, it just felt like he was, it was like such a shocker, like just that opening scene just grabbed me. And they have another scene later on in the movie that kind of explains the whole events leading up to that and how another character has that, uh, a different perspective who is there of that, of that whole scene and watched the whole thing happen. And they kind of play on that, like kind of just that peering kind of the, he's looking right at you sort of thing. And, and they, they play off the suspense of that whole scene really well two times. I'm thinking that this is more of a riff on there was an incident, I want to say in 2009 or 10, where there was a, a lady who had a pet, Chimp, Travis the Chimp, I believe was his name. And a friend brought an of the ladies brought a, a toy over and Travis the Chimp, if I remember it correctly, greeted her in the driveway and proceeded to uh, maul her quite badly she survived mm -hmm. but the police had to show up and i think uh they well they killed the chimp and anyway it was it was dressed in person clothes it was treated like a person more more than a pet and i believe it was he was on antidepressants also i can't remember it's been been a while since i read the story but i remember just the aftermath of it too, I think the lady was on talk shows or whatever, and you could kind of see what had happened to her and how violent and horrible it was. And they echo that, um, that whole thing in this movie. To me, the whole chimpanzee story, like in, within the context of the movie is kind of like a more or less lays out how you, you know, people just can't leave something alone. Like this chimpanzee is just a chimpanzee. He's, he's there, he's doing his thing. They have to put him in this TV show, which he's an actor in a TV show. And they make him do certain things that are against his nature. And, and it's all for 
people to look at him and he's kind of being uh, exploited right mm-hmm. and that's 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 more or less i guess the theme of the show to me is that uh, just people are out to exploit whatever they can exploit for their own gain whether it's financial or fame or or, or otherwise right the chimp is exploited certain ideas are exploited you have um my favorite walking dead character which is steven yin he's in the show he's exploiting he was uh yeah you know privy to this chimpanzee attack when he was a child actor he's exploiting this tragedy and the lady that he mauled is actually exploiting the tragedy too because she's there with him at this you know at this event the people the main actor or the main characters in the story oj and his sister i can't remember her name now and that's going to kill me because she was the best part of the movie I remember the actress's name was Kiki Palmer, but I can't remember what his sister's name was. I'm going to have to look that up. But they're kind of exploiting. They're trying to. Emerald. M or Emerald. Oh, okay. Emerald. Okay. Kiki Palmer. Yeah. Yeah. She was fantastic. So, but they're trying to exploit this UFO situation when they figure out what's, what's going on there. They've lost their father to this thing very early in the movie. And meanwhile, you have all these other scenes where, you know, these people are, they're, they're Hollywood horse trainers. They're on the set of a movie or a commercial or a TV show. I can't remember what it is. They've got a horse there with them. The people who are doing this movie or whatever have no, you can see that they have no respect for this animal, like the, the, the nature of the yep. animal. And uh, it, that kind of parallels, I guess, what you see later on in the movie with this quote unquote UFO is that the, the nature of this thing is that you have to kind of respect it and it, you'll more or less be safe from it. But if you don't, it will consume you. Yeah, it seems like if you don't look it in the eyes, you could get away with walking right through there. Yeah. Now, okay, but- when it came to that, I have some <laughs> thoughts about that whole, that whole concept too, which is, okay... You've got a couple things that are leading towards uh, exploitation we've talked about, but spectacle also like, like a, some sort of, uh, what would I want to say? Like some sort of tabloid-esque experience. That's what these guys are kind of doing. They want that picture yeah. of this creature. They want to get it on film so that they can, you know, put it out in the newspaper, kind of like a tabloid journalist would do. And the main character's name is OJ. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was an interesting commentary on the whole tabloid culture of everything. Just to just come out and say, yep, this guy's name is OJ. Cause that was the first, in my experience, one of the first big tabloid moments that, you know, people just couldn't look away from that. And that more or less resonant resonates that whole theme where if you look at this thing, it will consume you. And, and that's like, if you look at this, sensationalized shit that is on tv or in the news or whatever it will consume you you just have to take a minute and look away and it won't get you and i i kind of thought that that was an interesting theme too what are, what are your thoughts on that well there's a bunch of things going on that really stick with me for the exploitation of course everything about it is you know everybody like you said everybody's turning trying to turn everything into a profit basically for themselves it goes all the way from the monkey to, you know, his whole rodeo slash UFO experience there to horse training. Yeah, that all that that all seems spot on. But then there's all these little details that really stick out. 
like that shoe standing on end. Yeah, I, um, I still don't know what to make of the shoe. Well, I've read a little bit about it since then, of course. And a lot of people are saying that that's an example of a bad, bad miracle. You know, something that's impo- nearly impossible, but also not good at the same time. So nobody ever thinks about bad miracles in general, right? But we might be surrounded by them all the time. And So under any other circumstances, what you would have seen there would have been completely amazing. But because it happened when it happened, it's... Yeah. A hallmark yeah, it's like a, harb- a harbinger. Yeah. Right? A harbinger. So, and then he has that shoe in his little trophy room there. Yes. So that kind of kind of lets you think that maybe there's another bad miracle coming up. And he's obviously deeply traumatized because he's staring off into the distance thinking about it. Thinking about the whole monkey experience. Yeah. Well, you know what the interesting thing? So, so Stephen Yen's character, which I think his name is, uh, he calls himself Jupe or Jupiter or something like that. But I think his real name might've been Ricky or something. Yeah. Ricky Jupe Park. Yeah. So at one point in the story, OJ and Emerald are in his office or whatever, and he takes him into that back room they're they're all excited because they're disconnected from it like they they don't they don't have any sort of emotional stake in what happened and they they have no kind of concept that you know this guy could be <laughs> horribly emotionally battered from seeing a a chimpanzee maul his closest friend almost to death when he was like eight or nine years old right so they get all mm-hmm. excited when they see this room and you know how it was connected to this tv show from their childhood and he just kind of slips into this whole big story that he's concocted about saturday night live and all this other stuff to kind of like get himself out of the bad thoughts of it which i thought was a really interesting scene yeah it was just a, a really good character moment that kind of showed you where that guy's at but at the same time like he just can't help himself so you got I guess you got a narrative of kind of two people that are, or two groups of people who are kind of fighting for the same thing. There's Jupiter who owns the Western theme park. Yeah, and then Jupiter's you have the claim. actual Jupiter's claim. And then you have the ranchers who are actually, you know, in the, the gulch or whatever. And they're, you know, raising horses and doing all this stuff. And they're, they're themed the same thing. Like, you know, it's all about horses and Westerns and stuff like this. But the two people, the two kind of factions are fighting over, I guess it would be the, the right to, get an image or photograph this thing and the catch is is that you can't photograph this thing this ufo because it emits an emp in a disruptor signal or something like that it shuts down all your circuits when when uh, it's in the vicinity and you can't get a digital anything digital which everything is now won't won't get it so if you have an electric motor running a camera or whatever you can't you can't get a picture of it and that's why no one has seen this thing and it sneaks around it 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 uh is up in the clouds and it kind of comes down and consumes things when it wants to and the guy who actually gets to understand the thing is oj he gets to understand that it's not in fact a ufo it is an animal and it wants to do what animals want to do it wants to eat and it wants to preserve itself and stay alive right very much like the chimpanzee and don't forget shit it wants to shit. It wants to shit. And there is a scene where it, there's a few scenes, I think, where it shits. Car keys and coins and all kinds of weird stuff, right? And blood, I guess, too. No, he figures it out. And, and he, they, they figure out uh, more or less, they, 
they concoct a way to get it. But he had the idea that he was going to tame it, which oh, is crazy. Jupiter. No, not Jupiter. OJ had mentioned that he could break it like a horse. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I have to get back to that part. He had the idea in his head that maybe he could break it using flags. Oh, because it didn't like the flags. Well, that's just because they were tied to a big metal horse. Yeah. Well, I lost that part. There's a song in the movie. They play Corey Hart, Sunglasses at Night. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if there's any sort of significance to the story for that or whether or not they just thought it was really cool. Hmm. I like that song. It was nice to see Corey Hart get some love in this in these modern times. Corey Hart, on that same album, didn't you have that song, Boy in the Box? I don't know, because I've never actually listened to that album. Anyhow, there's a, a lot to chew on in this movie, and I, I wound up thinking about it quite a lot. I might actually go back and watch it again in the theater if it's still playing in my town, because I just thought it was a, one of those movies that you could probably get a, a repeat viewing out of and just be just as happy the second time and find more to like about it. Yeah. I don't know what else I could hit on here. Like, there's probably so many I things. I, that... What about the, uh, the filmographer? They had a perfectly good shot of the creature, but he had to go for more. You know what I mean? Yeah, he kind of had the same kind of mentality. Like he, So they bring in some people. There are some people that kind of get brought into the, the fold, whether or not, like there's one guy who's just flat out spying on them. He installed their security cameras and he's just watching them from his, his house or whatever and figures out what they're doing. And then they recruit a, an actual cinematographer who's got a hand crank IMAX camera, which I thought was pretty cool. And, yeah. uh, and, and he's going to take Ant, uh, Ant, Antlers Holst. His first name was Antlers. Oh, yeah. I love that actor, man. Michael <laughs> Wincott. That guy's fantastic. Antlers Holst. <laughs> but he's got the he's got kind of the same thing, right? Like he he gets what he wants. He gets the the film of the creature, but the light's not right. Or, you know, he's a perfectionist. Yeah, that's not good he's, enough. No, he's got his own ego at play, right? And and that's kind of what the the whole theme of this story is too, or surrounding this creature is that everyone else's motivations are more important than what it just wants to do, which is just eat something every once in a while and go back up to its like not moving cloud and hang out. But these folks have to entice it out of its natural environment to do something that it it's not going to like, and then the consequences of it are eventually that they have to. They have to kill the thing. So, hmm. yeah, anyway, he's got the same motivations. Now, one thing I did kind of catch when I was watching this movie, there was one shot that I just loved towards the end. Are you familiar with the movie Akira? I don't think so. You've never Akira. seen Akira? Oh, my gosh. It's a very famous uh, anime from the 1980s, late 1980s. It's like the, the goat, as the kids would say, for, for anime. You've never seen this movie? I'm not much for anime. <laughs> oh, oh, you will be. This is a gooder. There's one shot where she's riding a motorbike at the end of the story, Emerald. And I think she gets into uh, the Jupiter's Landing mm -hmm. theme park. And she skids the motorbike like right over top the camera and then kind of comes to a stop with the bike laying on its side. And that is like a shot for shot, awesome recreation of one of the coolest 
coolest scenes from the movie Akira. And I recognize it right away. I think he did it on purpose. I haven't heard anyone else talk about that, but I just thought it was the coolest thing in the movie. Like right at the end, they just gave me some little, another little hint in nerd culture. So good. I, I just loved it. I can't wait to see what he does next. I liked his other three movies. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to have to watch the key and peel show. I might even watch some of the twilight zone TV show that he did. I'm, I'm really glad you liked it though. So what's your rating then on this one? Uh, Before we rating, run out of time here. My rating for this movie is, I'm going to say it's 68 anal probes out of 69. <laughs> well, I would say 8.6 anal probes out of uh, 10.2. That's all these aliens want to do is anal probe you. Yep. Get up on the probulator now. That's a high rating. That's uh, Those are <laughs> some good ratings. Those are some good probed ratings that we just gave. Yeah. Okay. So there's another thing they mentioned, the anal probes. They, Which they never came into too. play. No, they talk about it though, but there's surprisingly, they just steered away from that. There are no anal no. probings. No, all we got was digestive juices. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have four minutes and five seconds left on the uh, shitty Zoom meeting timer. I'm going to have to figure out another way of doing this because I don't, I don't like that they've done this to us, Tim. This is a dirty, dirty game. Well, maybe we're going down to Skype. Skype land. Yeah, yeah, I think you can do it with air too, right? Yeah. Screw you, Zoom. Yeah. I mean, I, I like all your features. <laughs> for not giving stuff. us everything for free forever. Well, you know, I could definitely, we're mentioning them in our podcast. I mean, people are going to go to Zoom, but now what are they going to hear? They're going to hear we don't like Zoom because we're cheap assholes and, and that's it. Or I am anyway. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see. I think $14.99 a month to not be, uh, I just, I shouldn't be so cheap. Anywho, that's all I got, man. We love Nope. Mm-hmm. Good summer and movie. Are we, would we be interested in anal probing? Nope. Uh, nope. Nope. Yeah, that's a big nope. And I'm, I'm noping out of that one. No thanks. Uh, I'll just stay down here on Earth uh, unprobed. Anywho, holy shit. Right off the rails right at the end. All right, Tim. I guess we'll catch you later. And as always, it's been a slice. Oh, one more thing before we yeah. get going. I thought maybe we'd be all right to say where everyone could find you on the old social media if they if they wanted to look you up or what you've been doing. We got a sub stack going still. We haven't updated it in a while. That is a cautionary tales sub stack. Do you have anywhere else where people can find you? Uh, not, not right now. Medium, but I haven't really. I've been a little busy to put anything on there either. We'll have to well, sub stack but- up, a, up a storm here is what we need to do. Yeah, well, people can look up your Medium articles on there. And if you uh, were so inclined, you could find me on the old Instagram at Unreliable Ryan, or I review movies once in a while on Letterboxd. And I think my handle on there is that Ryan guy. Look me up on there. Nowhere else because I don't do those other ones. They suck. Yeah, I'm not on Tic Tac myself. I don't go. I'm not, I'm not going on that. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> Twitter is a cultural dumpster fire so i'm not participating in that anymore so instagram and letterboxd and as always everyone it's been a slice thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time yeah it's been a slice i'm trying to save you and your family's life. You couldn't even save your own! <laughs> <laughs>
I'm giving you a choice. Either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. Not this year. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> 